1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 24. I'm reading out of the New King James here. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know, the end of the year comes and you see all the new diet plan commercials on television. They've got this new pill that you can take that if you take the pill while you go to sleep, you'll burn off fat. Of course, everybody knows when you do go to sleep at night, your body keeps burning calories and you actually lose weight while you're asleep. But you can give them so much money and you will be able to burn off a little bit extra fat. Then you can have this kind of slim fast shake or you can have this Weight Watcher uh, particular product or if you do this, if you do that, it'll guarantee results. The truth is there's all kinds of change that our world tries to do at the beginning of the year. But for us as believers, everything about Christianity is about change. It's about conversion. Conversion truly means a complete change of what's going on. You that have campers or motorhomes, you know that when you plug in at a campground, the electricity comes in at 110, but it goes to a converter that breaks the power down a little bit smaller so that it goes to the small lights that are throughout the camper. And yet you also have uh, outlets that have full 110 power going to it so that you can plug in skillets and everything else that's there. A converter goes into action to change one product into something else. When you were a sinner before you came to Christ, you needed the Lord. And when God came into your life, you were converted. If you've given your heart to Christ already, would you please say amen? So we get this truth from the word of God here that speaks and says, run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. So what kind of prize are you looking for? What kind of change are you trusting God for? What kind of difference are you looking for? I was speaking to someone the other day and they were just telling me some things that they wanted uh, in their business. And they said, we're planning for change. I said, well, how are you planning to change? Well, we're going to do this different. We're going to advertise this differently. We're going to bring this up. We're going to do that. We want to do something that we've never done before. All I could think about was that statement that we read probably 20 years ago by John Maxwell that says, if you want what you've never had before, you have to be willing to do what you've never done before. Let's never just get stuck in a rut. Spiritual principles, they always stay the same, but if there's something new that God wants to show to us, I want to learn it, and I want to do it, and I want to be flexible. Amen? Hallelujah. I want that change within my life. That means you can't do it just any old way, though, according to this scripture. He says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. So there is a right way to do things. That also tells us there's a wrong way to do things. So we've got to know exactly what the Lord's saying. In verse 25, it uses the word temperate. Now, some of your other Bibles may have this word put in there, but it'll say something like this, to train hard. If you're going to train for something, you have to work at it. You have to put effort into it. 
I like it, uh, you know, Katie will use you here for example. You are Jack LaLanne's ex-daughter some way down the family tree line, right? Um, Katie puts, she goes to a gym and she works out. And you know, the thing that excites me is if we would ever need bodyguards, I, I think we'd like to hire Katie. I saw her take this big weight system and throw this big bar up like this and these gigantic weights are around the end. Now I have to tell you, tr truthfully, when I see that, I think about those comedy shows that they're, you know, they don't weigh anything at the end, they're like balloons. But then I look at you and I see your face and you're <sighs> holding it up and I'm thinking, wow, look at how much effort she's putting into that. I get excited about it and think, wow, look at how much effort she's putting in and the changes going on in her. And, you know, in the past, I had to go out and have a cookie right at that time. <laughs> but I, I'm making some change even in my own diet and things that I'm doing. Uh, I came in, we went out with the girls last night. They wanted to treat us to dinner. And so I, I'm cutting pop out of my diet. Ooh, that's a big deal right there, you know. And so when we go out to eat, my wife always gets unsweet tea with lemon. And so I dropped her off at the door. The girls were already inside. I'm parking the car. I come in and sit down, and the waitress has already taken their order. I, I knew that part. So the girl comes to me, and she says, what would you like to drink? Now, in the past, a lot of times... I'll go ahead and order my wife's drink ahead of time, say unsweet tea with lemon, lots of ice. So the girl comes, I said, I'd like to have a glass of unsweet tea. Right away, chaos was going on at our table. And my wife says, I've already ordered my drink. And I looked and I said, she's talking to me. The waitress couldn't have got away from the table. And the girls are looking at me and said, you don't drink tea. And I said, well, when I go to Rotary, I drink tea. What? You, no, you don't drink tea. I said, I'm making a change. Well, I can't wait to the other change. I'm not going to tell them about any other change I'm going to do so that each time I can get them caught off guard and go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I want some different results. I want some change to go on here. Verse 25 says we need to be temperate. We need to be training hard. Now, what kind of training do you want to do? Noah, you're 16. The chances of getting your license. I know the state of Illinois has changed the laws that now you had to sit in a car seat till you were a junior in high, in high school with all their crazy laws they have. And, and Xander, you too, you guys, driving-wise, you've been getting experience behind the wheel. What do you have to do? Put in 50 hours now? Is that what it is? Wow, what a bunch of communists down there. I think when we got our license, they just said, if you took behind the wheel and your mom didn't have her fingernails stuck in the dash anymore, you could get your license. My mother always sat in the car like this. Okay, I'm ready. She had the position so she didn't roll when we were going around the corner. You got to practice. You got to work at it. You have to train to get what you need to be able to get. There is a reward when you train for anything. Along with that, in the natural, there's crowns, there's trophies, there's ribbons, there's badges, all kinds of things. But yet the Word of God says we're not here looking for a natural crown. We're looking for something that is eternal. If you found Christ as your Lord and Savior, you see a deposit's already made in your life, and that life has been changed forever for the glory of God. 
verse 26, when it's talking to us here, it says, it's, it's not with an uncertainty. You're not just beating the air in this training. You are doing something with a purpose and a direction. Please know this. Now, tomorrow when the alarm goes off and some of you head back into work, and I guess most of the students don't have to go back until Tuesday, but the teachers have to all go back. They have teacher training and this type of thing going on. A new routine starts up. I was looking at Facebook this morning and I saw this one a little uh, comic that was there and the man was knocking on the door and he says, it's time to get up, it's time to go to school. And a voice behind the door says, but I don't want to. And the man again says, honey, you have to, you're the teacher. <laughs> you know, you want to get results, you have to put some effort in. Now, putting effort in can be done differently by every person. Aren't you glad God didn't make us robots? But he gave you your own creativity and your own abilities to do what you're supposed to do. See, there is no sloppy living that will achieve anything. But there is a living that you do that will resonate with heaven and will change your life as well as change mine. See, everything you have you have to put effort into. You just do. You have to put effort into it. Verse 27, he's speaking here, he says, about disciplining your body. I discipline my body. In other words, you have to stay in top condition. You have to work at it. By doing something about that, you will see change come. You want to see a promotion at work? Make some changes. Don't come to work late all the time punch in on time, stay a little bit after, put some effort into it. When you do that, you're showing that you're serious about what you're doing. Make some effort that's there. Give them everything while you're at work. Don't let yourself be found sitting around texting somebody on your phone or doing something when you're supposed to be working. Find a way to put the extra effort into it. You see, it takes effort to have anything happen with God. Now, it's true. Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins. He did all those things, and we have to accept it. No one can be forced to get born again. No one automatically goes to heaven. Just because your grandma was a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be a Christian. You have to put effort in and say, Jesus, come into my life. I will live for you. You do that. You've exercised your faith. But now, how do you make it all come together? I want to tell you a couple little things here I've written down about how to hear from God. First of all, we're thankful for the gifts of the Spirit. We know the nine gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Wait a minute. Are you with me today? We know about the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? We also have this Bible. It's the most amazing book because every time you read it, you will understand the will of God. It's not just a rule book. It is the book of life. So that when you apply it, it shows you how to do it. Now, one of the biggest questions when surveys get asked that people are unsure of is, how do you hear from God? So I want to give you some little points here of things you can do practically to hear from God. First of all, read your Bible. You see, you've got to get your mind focused on God. And you have to know that your mind is going to wander. Right now, some of you, your mind is wandering in here. Yeah, a couple of you are checking out the ceiling tiles. I wonder how many ceiling tiles are up there at that angle. Those stars used to be hung over there. Where are those snowflakes at? Oh, yeah, he said he took those down. Those are 
How many, from that point over to that point, sometimes we can wander about crazy stuff. What are we going to do for lunch? I don't know. And you start writing on pew envelopes. Where, where are we going? What are we going to do? Are we going home? Are we just having peanut butter and jelly? Are we reheating up the spaghetti for the fifth time? It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to have your mind wander. You have to work at keeping your mind focused. So let's say it's just you and God. You're up for your devotions. And it's early morning and you're tired and you woke up. Some of you don't wake up until the Folgers is brewing in the kitchen. And that aroma wafts down there. You've got a timer on your coffee pot. It kicks in and all of a sudden, best part of waking up is Folgers in my cup. Okay, God, I'm ready to meet you. Some of the rest of you, you're morning people. You jump out of bed. Good morning. I am ready to go. Some of you are not morning people. Don't say amen. You're laying in bed here on the alarm clock and you're singing, I surrender all. You're not sure if you're supposed to really get up or not. First thing you do is focus yourself in. And when you read your Bible, you focus in on God. Second thing you need to do is to clear your mind of all the other thoughts and issues. You know there's a busy day ahead of you, or maybe you're completing your day, and you, now you're taking your time to just pray before you go to bed. And so you're focusing in on God. Just clear your mind. If your mind starts wandering, just say, you know what? I don't need to think about that right now. I'm going to put that out of my mind. And let yourself literally see a vision of how you see Jesus. Maybe it was a picture. Maybe you actually had a vision from God. And he spoke to you. And you have this picture of him in your heart. That's what Jesus looks like. So you're going to read your Bible. You're going to be able to clear your mind up of things. And then third thing is you're going to start praising the Lord. Start praising the Lord for the answer. You don't have to spend a long time trying to tell God what the problem is. He is an all-knowing God. He knows what you're going through. Amen? He knows what's going on there. So how do we spend our time? I'm just going to praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You have the answers that I need. I thank you that you are the God of creation, that if you could handle creation, you can handle what's going on in my life. And you just start praising him. You start telling him how much you love him. That goes on. You've been reading your Bible. You're clearing your mind out. You're praising him. Then number four, after praising him, be quiet just for a few moments. Now, some people get nervous when it gets quiet. They need to have noise going on around them, it seems, everywhere. And so telling you to be quiet, I realize this could be a bit of a, a challenge. But the best thing about being quiet is you've spoken to him. Now expect to hear back from him. See, if you're going to have a conversation with anyone, you can't dominate the whole conversation. The other people need to speak back. Now, have you ever been around somebody who they just talk constantly? Just constantly. And you're trying to think, how do I jump in? Now, in normal conversations, for any of you that are not big conversationalists, let me just give you a couple of things to think about here. People who talk a lot don't mind if you interrupt them because they're used to just blathering. Blathering is a step further than blithering. I raise daughters, I know about blithering. 
I'm not insulting anybody. My girls will all testify. They, they went from just normal talking to as they started getting a little bit older. And when they came into teenage years, and they could just talk and talk and talk and talk. And all of a sudden, now Jessica, Jessica Landry, before she got married, or went off to Bible college, and, and now she's doing great things for God. She's doing wonderful things in Canada. Jessica took it to a whole new level. She could come over to our house and want to just hang out, and she could sit on the couch, and she would be blathering. It was past blithering. And even if we were all doing something else, she was okay. She just needed to talk. Even if nobody said, uh-huh, uh-huh, you didn't even need to do that. She was just out there. And when she got all done, she said, oh, I'm so glad you guys were here tonight. I could hang out with you. See you later. And she'd go out the door. What'd she talk about? I don't know. <laughs> so know this, that if you're around a person who talks a lot, it's okay for you just to jump in and speak. They're not going to get insulted. Now, other people who are very slow to answer because they're thinking about what they want to say, they don't want to say the wrong thing. So they're analyzing it in their head. They don't talk a lot. They're putting it together. I want to say the right thing. Know this that when they do speak, you need to listen because they've got something good to say. So now you're reading your Bible, you're clearing your mind, you're praising the Lord, and now you're going to be quiet just for a few moments. Get ready to hear from God. I, I encourage you to keep a little notepad or maybe with your phone or your uh, pad, this type of thing, you can go ahead and put some notes in. But after you've been praising and after you've gotten quiet, What's the first thing that drops into your heart? What's the first thing that drops into your mind? Now, the first few times you do this, it's going to be some crazy stuff. But before you know it, the crazy stuff will leave, and you'll find out you're hearing from God. You got quiet. You've been focusing in, and all of a sudden, this thought comes into your head. Don't forget, after work today, you have to pick up a gallon of milk. Hear me out. Write that down. Why would I write that down? That's not spiritual. You know what? If you forget the milk, you're going to wish you had it. Maybe God was reminding you about the milk. Maybe your mind was wandering. The next thing you may hear from God is just this word that says, I'm well pleased with you. He drops that into your spirit. You write that down. Before you know it, you won't just be hearing about the natural things anymore, but you'll start to hear from heaven. Now, don't give up prematurely, even if it takes a couple weeks of you perfecting this and working at it, because the more you do it, the more you will hear from God. Hallelujah. God does speak. He speaks through his word. Anything he would say to you will never contradict his word. So if a crazy idea comes in, later on you look at it and go, you know, that's just crazy. How'd that get in there? Sometimes songs influence us, sometimes movies influence us, television shows, all kinds of things that are going on. They can have influence. If it doesn't match up with the Word of God, it is not from the Lord. So before you know it, you've taken time, you've read your Bible, you've cleared your mind, you've spent time praising God, you've gotten quiet before Him, and then you start writing down what you hear. Because if God's speaking, I want to remember what He's saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to know what he's saying because sometimes we can miss God. 
Remember Peter? Here he is with Jesus and all the disciples, and the revelation knowledge of God hits him. And he looks to Jesus after Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Then Jesus keeps talking and he says, we're going to head to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. All of you are going to be scattered abroad. But yet in the end, I will bring you back together. And Peter goes up to him and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want you going to Jerusalem. I don't want them killing you. And Jesus turns around and looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. One minute he's telling him, you're hearing from heaven. The next minute he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because one minute we can be in the spirit and the next minute we can be in the flesh. You have to work at it all the time. Don't think just because you got saved 35 years ago, you have a current relationship with Jesus. You may still be born again, but Jesus needs to speak to you more than just once in 35 years. Sort of weak amens today. You still tired? Your football team lose the other day? Or maybe last Sunday? Oh, it was pitiful. It was just pitiful. It made me just want to eat a whole can of cheese watching Green Bay go down like that. It didn't help. But the cheese tasted good. I just want you to understand something. God wants a current relationship with you. He doesn't want to be just in your past. He wants to be doing something now. Let, let's stay in the New Testament. Look over at the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. You know, we gave you those uh, schedules on how to be able to read your Bible through in a year. We've got extras that are out on the communion table if you didn't get one. I'm sorry, out on the table in the lobby. If we run out, we can always make more. Just a good project to read through the Bible in one year. Hebrews chapter 12, take a look at verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this scripture. It's one that gets me excited when I think about the men and women I've known who've already gone to be in heaven. This speaks about being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, heaven is not so boring that everybody's up there just leaning over, looking down. There's good things going on in heaven right now. Hallelujah. But you have people who love you, have already stepped into heaven, and they're praying for you. Now, church tradition, let's talk about this for a minute. Some churches talk about praying to the saints for them to intercede for you. There's nothing biblical about that. But it does speak that there are those that have gone on before that are praying for you. If we need to pray, we go to God in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You don't pray to a person. You don't pray to Jesus' mother. The one example shows up when they come at the wedding of Cana and they go to her and say, we've all run out of wine. What are we supposed to do? She says, well, whatever he says, do it. 
and she speaks to him and he says, woman, hallelujah. I love that part. Woman, don't you know it's not my time yet? She said, they've ran out of wine. So what happens? He creates brand new in these vessels that were filled with water, unfermented wine. There was nothing wrong with it. The guy who draws out of it, he says, most people start with the good stuff and end up giving the bad stuff at the end after they've all had their taste buds to be wet by the good. You've saved the very best to the end. A creative miracle took place there. We are surrounded by wonderful godly people, but even Mary, who was chosen by God to be used to bring to life this body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a godly, wonderful woman, but she was a godly, wonderful woman just like each of you. She was not to be worshipped. She was just used by God. Ladies, don't you want to be used by God? Amen? Hallelujah. But nobody's going to make a statue of you and put you out in the garden. It's not going to be there. Your family can love you. They can thank you. They can tell you what a great job's going on. But your mother cannot answer your prayers. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the heroes of faith that have gone on before us and given us examples. Hallelujah. Think about that. Moses is cheering you on. Abraham is cheering you on. Noah is cheering you on. Those people that have gone on before, they are truly praying and interceding for you that you finish this race with victory. Man, alive. It's the worst thing, isn't it, to put so much effort into something and to quit prematurely? My mom and dad were big on finishing what you start. As a young boy, before we were even Christians, you always finished what you start. If you start something, even if you're going to quit it in the end, you will finish it because you started it. So when there was a lay witness mission at our church, it was the time that our whole family found Christ. It was the first time we'd ever heard the salvation message. When these things were going on, I had drum lessons that Saturday morning. I really wanted to go to the youth event Saturday morning because it had a a youth event Friday night, and I thought this would be great to go to. I said to my mom and dad, I really want to go to church on Saturday morning, and I want to be there for this youth event. And my mom said, you have drum lessons. You have to keep your drum lesson. You have an appointment with your teacher. And so remember, we weren't Christians. We had not accepted Christ yet, but we sat down to pray. And I'll never forget, I don't remember if it was mom and dad, but one of them praying and saying, Lord, if you want Scott to go to this youth meeting, you need to change the schedule. Amen. Within moments, the phone rang and my band director was on the phone. He said, I've had something that has come up and we cannot have your drum lesson. That was one of the first answers to prayer, wasn't it, Mom? It just blew us out of the water. Hallelujah. We were Methodists. We were not used to hearing from God. It blew us out of the water. God wants me to go to that youth meeting. You know what that told me? Something's going to happen. Something's going to go on. I need to be there because God has intervened. Hallelujah. I want that kind of God intervention. Amen. I want the Lord to do something inside me just like that time in my life. This goes on and it says here, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you. Have you ever found out that sometimes, whether you're breaking a habit or doing something like that, that seems to be the one area your weakness is in? 
you can get everything else together. You can be tight. You can be doing, moving, wonderful mountains for the glory of God. But there's this one little weakness. If you don't deal with it, it will keep trying to show back up. Sometimes when people have been in AA, whether it was for alcohol or for drugs or whatever it is, you know, they constantly are faced with this thing where the fear starts to hit them. I'm one drink away from a drunk. All these different ideas that come in. I want you to know that your confession can be even different as a Christian. You don't have to just keep going to meetings to keep you straight. But you let God come in and his spirit will guide you and direct you. And the thing that used to be a weakness for you, before it was that Achilles heel, it was that thing that was just knocked you off all the time. Because when the devil tries to attack your self-esteem and your attitude and your worth, he tries to make you feel that you've let God down and why would God want to spend time with you? Let me tell you something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you. No matter what goes on, God loves you. Jesus went to the cross and paid for all sin. Would you say that with me? Jesus went to the cross and paid for all sin. If he has forgiven you, please know this. God does not look at you and say, get your act together and then come back. That's what we would do. Because we want to teach him a lesson. Have you ever got mad at somebody who has a sin in the same area you used to? And now you're really hard on them? Huh. Well, when they get their act together, I know this is just the same routine. Jesus is still reaching out his hand to you saying, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. You mean he says it's okay to keep sinning? No, he wants to fellowship with you because when you spend more time with Jesus, you won't be spending time with the sin. When you are fellowshipping with the Lord, you won't fall into that same old temptation because that same old temptation is familiar. We like it. We like that old comfortable sin. Mm, I'm glad nobody said amen. But they don't understand. Pastor, you said you're going to be dieting and changing up. You know, you worked real hard. Just one little Pepsi. Just one little drink. It's just caramel water. <laughs> and caramels, you put caramels on apples. Oh, caramel apples, that's healthy. Pepsi's healthy. And it's good to have fluid in your body. Oh, so it's okay. I'm not telling you I won't ever have another Pepsi. I like Pepsi. I'm just telling you I have to be alert to the lies of the devil. Because if I want to make a change, I have to do something different. It's the same thing. There's something out there that tries to lay in wait for all of us. I want to tell you how to go down a different road instead of going down the road that will make you fall. And if you do fall into sin, get back up. Because the Lord is there with his hand extended, just like he did to Peter when Peter was walking on the water and Jesus saw him sinking and he reached over and yanked him up with him. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to lift you up. He wants you to know that the thing that has hindered you, let's get it taken care of and let's get on with our life. 
No matter what the habit is, no matter what the attack or the sin is, maybe it's just an attitude inside you. Maybe you've got this attitude that you're better than everybody else. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do all these other things that everybody else says is so bad. But you're a gossip. You don't know how to ever keep your mouth shut. And before you know it, you're not only sharing news, but you're saying how bad that person is. That's the same kind of sin as any other kind of sin. It's sin. Well, then, Pastor, how do I avoid that? When something starts to come up and people start telling you things you don't need to know, you go ahead and interrupt them and say, you know what, I don't, I don't need to know any more of the story. Oh, but they're going to think that's rude. No, you just know that you like tender gossip. Now, may not be anybody here today, but I'm just telling you, it's the same thing. Don't try to over-spiritualize things to think, I am so righteous, pastor, I don't do this, I don't smoke, I don't drink, and I don't chew, and I don't date girls that do. That was the old saying when we were in Bible college. <laughs> girls that do. All right. The truth is this, if we will put the word into our hearts, it will change up our circumstances. See, we're faith people. We believe God wants the best for you. Don't you remember? Let's recite 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I would above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. If you don't know that one, go ahead and start learning and memorizing it because God wants you blessed. He wants you filled with his glory and his power because there's enough things every day that will try to rob you of all of that. There's enough attacks out there that try to hit your body, let alone come against your spirit. Be filled with the power of almighty God. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't it amazing? He is writing your life if you'll submit to him. He is showing new possibilities out there. If you don't like where things have been going, have you let him have lordship of your life? Maybe you just need to get rid of some of the friends you have. They're pulling you down. They're, they're bringing junk into you that will not help you. They're actually hindering you from moving forward with God. If you've got people that are always telling you what God can't do, that he never has done that before for anybody else that they knew of, why would he do it for you? You need to start hanging around with people of faith that are standing with you and saying, you know what, God's going to do it. God's going to do what I know. God's going to do it because the word says it, I believe it's so, God's going to do it, I know. That kind of encouragement starts to build you up. It helps you to start seeing forward. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. He put up with it. Why? Because he was able to sit down at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for you and I. Every time you and I pray, Heavenly Father, Jesus leans over. I know that sounds a little corny, but if you'll understand this, Jesus' blood cries out before God and says, they're qualified to believe because they accepted my forgiveness on the cross. Talk about a good God. Oh, hallelujah. I know there are other Christians or even other churches that will not let you move past your past. But you have to get past your past if you're going to move into God's plans and future for every single one of us. Let's wrap up our time here by going in the book of Matthew, chapter 7.
when I take time to pray for you, I always pray the possibilities of what God would do in your life. It's never a waste of my time to pray for you. That's part of my job as your pastor, but it's part of my privilege as a believer to pray and stand trusting God to do something in a person's life. In Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24 through 29. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. The religious people of that day, they weren't teaching the truth. Jesus starts speaking the truth and everybody comes alive. See, if you've not heard this gospel message before, it will transform your life because he says, if you hear it and you do it, you're just like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. God's not looking for perfect Christians. If he's looking for perfect Christians, then none of us will qualify because we can all fall into sin. But he's looking for people who will hear and obey his word. He goes on and says the guy who doesn't listen, the guy who hears but he doesn't do it, he's foolish. He's built his house upon a sand. You ever stood on the seashore and you've been standing in the sand and the waves come up and before you know it, all that sand between your toes starts washing out a little bit. You stand there a little bit longer and more waves start to come in and before you know it, you're starting to lean forward a little bit. Your heels may still be up at the other height, but now your toes are starting to sink down in. And you have to move your feet just a little bit to get reestablished. Sand shifts all the time. God's word never shifts. It never, never shifts. Oh, hallelujah. The bad part is it speaks here of the guy who's on shifting sand. It's always that his circumstances have changed. And something starts to happen that because of the shifting sands, he's not going to be able to make it. See, I want you to know this. There is a standard. It's just the kids coming in. Everybody back up here. Okay? There's a standard for every one of us. Yeah, but Pastor, my standard is so high, and these other people seem to be getting away with everything. Maybe I shouldn't have that high standard that's up there. I want you to know God sets the standard for every one of us. And even though some people may look like they get away with something, in the end, we all stand before God. This past year, I did 82 funerals for people that didn't go to our church. You know what? Those people, their grave is the same size as a believer's grave. Their casket is the same size as a believer's casket. But they went into eternity without Christ. And we know what the word says will be the outcome there. I want to tell you a little story before we get ready to receive communion today. Let me see if I can pull this up. There's a little song. I want you to hear a few of these words. 
I didn't tell the sound people about it, so I'm just going to play it through here, okay? Did you catch those words that were there? Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town. And then we come and there's another line that says, the town Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. Billy Sunday, one of the most outstanding evangelists in our country's history, history grew up in rural Iowa in poverty. Both of his parents died. And back in, 19, or in 1862, he and his brother were moved to the Soldiers' Orphanage Home in Davenport, Iowa. Maybe you didn't know that connection that was there. In that Soldiers' Home that he was being raised up in, he started playing baseball. He loved to play baseball. And before you know it, he didn't finish high school, but he went off to play baseball. And he went off to play for, in 1983, he signed with the Chicago White Stockings. Sorry, 1883. I'll keep getting my centuries mixed up. 1883, he signed with the Chicago White Stockings, which was a part of the National League back then. He was traded to Pittsburgh. He was traded to Philadelphia, to the Phillies, and eventually was playing for them back in Chicago against the Chicago White Stockings. After he had finished up that game, he felt this urge inside him to take a walk. He went for a walk. He ended up heading down to what was known at that time as the Pacific Garden Mission down on State Street in downtown Chicago. He heard the gospel preached for the very first time, and that's when he got born again. At that time, he decided he was going to leave baseball and start preaching the gospel because he used to drink so heavy when he got saved, God set him free from all the booze, and he wanted to see everybody else get changed. Now, that was also during the time when prohibition was going on in our country. Some of you remember that in history of reading the prohibition outlawed any kind of alcohol. And so Billy Sunday was out there not just preaching because it was the law of the land at that time, but he was wanting people to get, see from, get set free from anything that would ever control a person at all. At one time, it was noted that he had preached over 20,000 sermons. And when he would preach, he would go into a community, and before you know it, it would just begin to change the community. At one time, Chicago was worried because all their taverns were closing because nobody was drinking. Now, because of that, I don't know how you want to call it or what you'd like to say, but the, the underworld wasn't thrilled with that. And back in, uh, let's get the right date for this one. In 1922, a guy named Fred Fisher wrote that song you just heard. Because you see, at, toward that time in the 1920s, all the revival meetings that Billy Sunday had been doing began not to be so popular. In fact, in the natural, our country was going into the roaring 20s, the speakeasies, the amendment was passed to 
go back and limit prohibition and now it'd be legal to drink. And they said, we're gonna go back and we're gonna change this. And so this guy wrote this song up about Chicago and about it being a toddling town. Toddling, you have to go back to the root word there and it's a toddy. If somebody's going to have a toddy, they're going to have a cold alcoholic beverage. So when they're singing, Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town, it's just talking about being a place that you could get liquor any place you wanted. And then what do they do? They stick in the words, the town that Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. It was to be a jab at one of America's most famous evangelists at that time. Billy Sunday later on died in 1935. He was still preaching the truth. People were getting saved. At one point, they estimated in his meetings that 1.2 million people gave their heart to Christ. Where he used to play in baseball stadiums, now he would go in and preach, and they would be filled. This is before Billy Graham. This is before. This is one of those people in our history. You know what? Even though he was attacked from the mafia type, even though he was attacked for his stance in preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, he kept doing it because it was solid and a value within his heart. He knew that God had changed him, and he wanted to see others find that same freedom. Most people think that song, Frank Sinatra came along, and they said, you know what, Frankie, you're the right guy. We know you support everything we believe in here with the gambling and the booze and all the rest. And he became famous through that song, Chicago. That little boy grew up in an orphanage in Davenport, Iowa. What other kind of little boys and girls are growing up here in the Quad Cities that could change the history of our nation? Parents, church, adults, teenagers, everyone that's here in this place, pray for our children to have a relationship with Christ. And even though someone might look like they're getting away with something, stand your ground. Stand upon the standards of God's word. Because even if they may get away with it here, they won't get away with it with God. He sees all things. The good news is, if we have done something wrong, we go before our God and he forgives us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Worship team, if you'd come up, please. When I was praying about our message today, I really, I felt the Holy Spirit drop Billy Sunday's name into my heart, and I thought, you know, I don't know that much about him. And the more I started to read, and then when I saw that he was here in the Quad Cities in 1862, I realized that there was a divine connection that was going on and that God could change any person's life if they would turn their life over to him. Boys and girls, I know I said this a little earlier, but God has big plans for you. We're happy that you're in here for communion. But the big secret is this. Always put Jesus first in everything. And he'll lead you and he'll show you his best. And by chance today, if you've never accepted Christ, never made him Lord of your life, 
Or maybe you've compromised all your standards and you're saying, Pastor, I'm here today because I know it's time to get back on track. This is the moment to let it get back on track, to let God begin to flow into your heart. Will you just join me in prayer? Take a look inside your heart. If there's things you need to repent of, go ahead and do that. But if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can let him come into your life and let him be your Savior. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me of my sin. I want a new beginning. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Now, if you just did that, you can join in prayer with the rest of these and just look into your heart and let God clear away all those old memories. Let God renew your mind. You are forgiven. He will never bring those things up to you ever. But he is there to forgive you and to help you walk in his love every single day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to need a mic for those that are going to help. Melody and Josiah, if you would come on down. You're going to help us today as we get ready to receive communion. Communion is for believers. You don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion. But if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to participate with us here. So those that are serving will be doing that in just a moment. But uh, let's go ahead and have you read your scripture. <clears throat> 